Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. What I most want to know now is this. How would you have handled this inquiry? I got an email last night from, and this is the way that it works. I got an email from CNN last night from a particular show. It happened to be not Chris's program, but New Day, the morning show, where they said, are you available and are you interested to discuss the following? And the following was that Ken Burns, the historian and filmmaker, he's been making documentary films only for the last 40 years, did an interview with a a podcast in which he said that we are currently in an era in the United States comparable to the Civil War, the Depression, and World War II. The podcast was Smartless. It's a podcast hosted by Will Arnett, Jason Bateman, and Sean Hayes. And so CNN was wanting to know, what do you make of Ken Burns thinking that this climate is akin to what the country went through in World War II, the Depression, or the Civil War? And I appeared this morning on New Day. I did my best to address that issue. Um, But I want to know what you would say in response to that question. I will tell you, of course, exactly what I said. I have the audio of how this came up and what Ken Burns' response consisted of. Let me play that and then tell you what I said. It's really serious. There are three great crises before this, the Civil War, the Depression, and World War II. This is equal to it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's the first time that we've got... Lincoln gave this great uh, talk when he was very, very young to the Young Men's Lyceum on a Saturday afternoon, I think it was. Um, And um, people will write in and tell you that that wasn't a Saturday afternoon. It was an afternoon conversation about foreign policy. And he said, this is when he's like not even 29... He's a lawyer in Springfield. He said, whence shall we expect the approach of danger? Shall some transatlantic giant step the earth and crush us at a blow? And then he answered his own question. Never all the armies of Europe, Asia, and Africa could not by force take a drink from the Ohio River or make a track in the Blue Ridge in the trial of a thousand years. If destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and finisher. As a nation of free men, we will live through all time or die by suicide. And we're, you know, we're looking right down the muzzle of that gun. Pretty provocative stuff, right? Ken Burns, the documentary filmmaker. I, I, I should say this. I began this morning by saying I can't match his historical analysis. I mean, Ken Burns wrote The Civil War, Brooklyn Bridge, The War, The National Parks, Baseball, The Central Park Five, The Roosevelt's, Jackie Robinson, the Vietnam War, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm insufficiently knowledgeable about the Depression, about the Civil War, about World War II to say this is akin to that. But I made notes for myself how much of this I got off my chest, you know, under the the lights of television and and in a two-minute soundbite. I'm not exactly sure, but this is what I intended to say as I look at my notes. My answer to the question of, and essentially it's a question of, do we face, does the nation face some kind of existential threat from within? I can only say that I've paid attention for the last three decades, 30 years, and I don't recall feeling my current level of concern about the stability of the country at any time previous in comparison to the way I'm feeling now. You know, I'm accustomed over the years to worrying about things like unemployment or social security for folks who are older or the societal safety net or, you know, maybe from a uh, from a dark 
and foreign policy realm, the Cold War. But today, the the concerns are much different. The concerns, right, are about division among us. Is this, some of you will be able to tell me, is this akin to what we went through in the 60s or is this different? Climate change, the pandemic, and our inability to come to terms with or agree on how to fight it. Income inequality, which I think springs from deep-seated issues and creates a new set of hostilities that weren't here previously. And what struck me about the issue, as I thought about it, is we can't today even have a conversation about these type of things. It so quickly becomes, I tried to coin the word hatriolic, it never caught on, but so hateful and so vitriolic. I mean, why is it that it used to be our division ended at the water's edge? Sure, we disagreed. Sure, we had fights, but we were like... We were like the domestic couple that was arguing between ourselves and look out if some third party then arrived on the scene because we would turn our aggressions on them. Those are the days that seem to be over. We don't even unite against a common enemy. For example, I think about 2016 and the Russian meddling in the election and the Russian meddling in the election, you know, in a a day when I was younger in this system, 80s, 90s, maybe into the year 2000, we would have united in opposition to Russia trying to screw with our election. Instead, that became the stuff of partisan divide here in the United States. Whether symptom or root of the problem, I don't know, but truth has become elastic. Like We're not even agreeing on basic facts any longer. And an example that's top of mind for me would be vaccines. You know, the science says unequivocally that we're all better suited when we all are vaccinated. If all of us were vaccinated, notwithstanding those who, for a medical reason, can't get vaccinated. TC, remind me later, I must talk about an L.A. Times editorial about religious exemption to vaccines. Must must revisit that subject today. Um, But truth is now an elastic concept and we don't even agree as a society when we've got what is the number now? I don't know. High 30s, maybe 40 percent who haven't had a shot. We also have diminished confidence in our institutions like I never could recall. Government, uh, police, military, And, of course, the media, and you might say to me, the media has always been distrusted, except now, you know, rancor works in the media. Sowing division is bad for the country when the media is sowing division, but it's great for the business model. And then you throw into this mix technology, which has acted as an accelerant for the spread of misinformation. And by the way, human Of course, I didn't get half of these things off my chest on television. It's great to have a radio show. It really is. Um, But what I wanted to say was there's nothing new about fake news. We didn't call it that then, but fake news, you know, spreading across town. A rumor, there's an adage, and I don't remember what it is, but a rumor gets across town while, you know, truth is still putting on its pants, right? But technology with the touch of a send key has allowed for misinformation to to spread immediately. And most worrisome about all of these factors, again, in response to Ken Burns, who says what we're going through in this country right now is equivalent to those three 
historical points, the Civil War, World War II, and the Great Depression. Most worrisome for me is that I don't see it ending anytime soon. And I also believe that it's not just about Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a symptom. Donald Trump is not the problem. Do do any of us really believe that if Donald Trump doesn't run in 2024 and, and he just fades into the wallpaper, into the gilding of Mar-a-Lago, uh, that all of our all of our conflict and all of the dissent that I'm describing goes away, that everybody that we saw on January 6th who breached the Capitol, I'm not talking about those who, who came to hear their president, I don't have a problem with that, I have a problem with those who, who breached the Capitol windows and, and threshold and so forth, but do any of us believe that their sentiments are no longer a factor? I don't think so. They're all symptoms of something long festering that are going to outlive Donald Trump's position on our national stage. I mean, something, how about if I say it this way, something has made us susceptible and wanting of, some of us, that type of leadership. And it's not just the United States, it's a global thing. And what is it that provided the motivation for those who stormed the Capitol? It was misinformation, but it's also, I think, this deep-seated belief that they have been forgotten. In a country of changing demographics, at a time when it's difficult to see the jobs that they once held coming back because we live now in a world of of automation and a world that is flat, to quote Tom Friedman. There's a lot of angst out there of people who really believe that the greatest days of the country are behind us. Um, Those are all the things that were running through my mind. And I thought, you know what, why don't I open the program today and, and see, put yourself in my position when you call me and when you're voting, because this is the survey question. And I just want to get your gut check. Do you agree with Ken Burns that the U.S. is currently in crises equal to the Civil War, the Depression or World War II? And once you've answered that question, I hope you'll also stick around and tell me how and when do we get out of it? Where is the light at the end of the tunnel? I'll be repetitive with a POTUS audience when I tell you that we're not getting out of it until we are opening ourselves up to more sources of information and more common experience. Too many gated communities, and I don't mean in a literal sense. I just mean that we're all so isolated now in the way that we're leading our lives. Therefore, it makes it easier not to be empathetic. And we are overly reliant on singular news sources that are reaffirming beliefs that we already have instead of challenging our thought process. Wow, there, in 30 seconds, I just kind of summed up my view of this whole situation. The Smirconish Podcast for Independent Minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.